Welcome to Kingdom Life Church, Stellenbosch. May this life-giving word activate your faith today. Three weeks ago, for those of you who are joining us today that probably haven't been here for a week or two, and we've uh, started with a sermon series called The Upward Lifestyle. And, and it's a series that we've been looking at, how are you living as a Christian in this world today and in this era and then almost say in the dark ages? Because <laughs> it is almost, if you see, darkness are growing, but the light of God is still more powerful than ever. How do your lifestyle reflect the kingdom? That's what we're talking about. Now, week one, we spoke about the fact that you are history makers. You see that moment when you give your life to God, God fills you up and He makes you a history maker in this world to bring the kingdom. Now, Paul summarizes this quite beautifully, and, and um, we've got a theme scripture for the series, and the scripture comes from Philippians 3 verse 13 that says the following, Brothers and sisters, do not consider that I have made it on my own yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. I press on towards the goal to win the heavenly prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. All of us who are mature, pursuing spiritual perfection should have this attitude. And, and Paul comes and he says, listen, I don't really care what happened in my past. I killed Christians. I was uh, quite a, a very religious, law-driven man, but God changed my life. I don't care about what happened. I'm just aiming at goal, and the goal is the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Now, as Christians, Paul comes and he pleads with us. He says, please, don't miss what you have after you stepped into salvation. You have to realize what Christ has given you. Now, in week two, last week, we spoke about how God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. And I shared some testimonies and a bunch of stuff. If you've missed it, go listen to our podcast. And, and how God has built this revelation through my life over the years of how we just started seeing miracle upon miracle upon miracle. And, and where we just stepped out and said, Lord, I'm going to trust you to pray for people and bring the extraordinary, although I feel ordinary. You see, God has called the everyday ordinary believer to live a natural, supernaturally lifestyle, and, and that's who you are. Now, God called every one of us to bring the kingdom to earth. Why? So that heaven will come to earth. You see, there's no sickness in heaven. There's no depression in heaven. There's no anxiety in heaven. And when we bring the kingdom into people's lives, we usher the supernatural in. So go and listen to that sermon. Now today I want to I ask a question, and a question will lead us into the theme of today's sermon, if you're ready. Now, the question is, do your sunglasses still fit? It's a weird question, I know. Do your sunglasses still fit? Do you have sunglasses? I'm quite a sunglass guy. I like sunglasses. I've got very sensitive eyes. I always, I mean, if you know me all my life, you would know me that I always have somewhere a sunglass on my head or on my face or when I'm outside. And I love sunglasses. And the sunglass industry from Ray-Ban to Oakley to all those fancy names have grown into a million-dollar industry over the years. And it's literally just something that shades your eyes from the sun. It is, it's, it's actually part of fashion, am I right? 
but we all live our lives through different lenses that filter our lifestyle. Did you know that? So there hence the question, how's your sunglasses? So our theme of our sermon is, do your sunglasses still fit? Now we call the sunglasses that we wear spiritually, we call it our core values. And when you talk about a lifestyle and you don't refer to your core values that leads to the lifestyle, you can't really say you're living a godly kingdom lifestyle. There's a story of a boy, a young boy, who went reluctantly with his mum to this old museum with all the oldest priceless artifacts. And, and as they were walking through, the mum just heard a, a, a scream from behind and she turned around and the little boy had his hand stuck into an old Chinese vase. And as they walked up and they tried to get this hand loose from the vase, they couldn't. And the more they tried, the more the boy yelled and screamed and cried. And after a long time, all the personnel of the museum came and everybody, they didn't know what to do because they tried and tried and they threw water and oil, nothing worked. And they decided, well, then we have to break this vase. And they stepped back and they broke this priceless artifact for China's vase that is worth millions of dollars. And when they broke it, they saw that the boy's hand was in a fist. Because what happened is the boy walked past and he looked in the vase and there was a penny, an old penny in the vase. And he took his hand and he grabbed it and he didn't let go. And because he didn't let go, he couldn't get out his hand and they had to break this vase. Now, do you know that this boy had a bigger value for that penny in the bottom of the vase than the priceless price tag that was on that vase? How much does this happen in our world today where people have a bigger value for a worldly lifestyle than for a spiritual lifestyle? I see it every day. It's more about the car and the house and the stuff and all these things that I have than sometimes what church do I have or who walks a path with me in terms of my spiritual life. Now in the first sermon I spoke about the impact of a culture in our lives. You remember that? And I said that nowadays the world actually has relegated Christian, the Christian faith, relegated the Christian faith to a subculture. It's true, isn't it? They make it a subculture because there's so many other cultures that is more powerful and more greater and more. But the Christian faith is the most powerful culture in the world today. If you go to the book of Acts, it's filled up with stories where the disciples went out with a new culture and a new covenant where it just swallowed every other culture. It had such a dramatic effect on everything. Christian, the Christian faith is one of the most powerful cultures that there is. Now our spiritual up, upward or supernatural lifestyle we live must, must have a life-giving impact on the people in the world around us. If your lifestyle doesn't have an impact, then you need to go and look at how you live or how, what the kind of lifestyle you are living. Does your lifestyle reflect kingdom values or not? Now, just before Jesus ascended to heaven, um, he was meeting with his disciples, and we all know the story. But in that moment, Jesus called his disciples the word apostles. Remember that? 
He called them, you are now the apostles. That goes on. And, and if you hear the word apostle, and, and maybe if you call someone an apostle, you would think that it's just a Christian description of someone in church. Are you with me? But if you go and look what the word means, Jesus actually borrowed this word from the Roman culture. The, and the Romans ruled over the Jews at that time. Now, the apostles were Roman generals. And the Roman generals, and this is what they did, they spe were specifically trained as apostles to go and, they, go and live in a nation. They were sent into a nation that, that the Roman Empire conquered. And they had one purpose in mind, and that was to reform the culture. That was what they had to do as an apostle. They basically lived among the people to firstly rule them, and then secondly, to teach the people the Roman ways, the Roman rules, the Roman customs. And, and, and it's amazing as I read on, um, the Romans believed, they actually believed that if they weren't able to implement this Roman culture in these places, they believed that they wouldn't be able to sustain ruling over those people. They had to change their customs and their culture to a Roman custom and cultures. Now, in the same way, do we need an apostolic, supernatural culture in our lives? Why? To sustain the kingdom of God in and through your lifestyle. To sustain this thing among us. Man, I really, I really pray and hope for that on a daily basis, that there will be a kingdom reality in my life and in the culture and in the, the community that I walk in. Now, Jesus sent out, his, sent out his 12 disciples, and we spoke about that the first sermon and the, the second sermon. And he sent out the 12 apostles to heal the sick, to get the people saved, to proclaim the gospel, but to establish also, to establish a kingdom culture among those who experienced the miracles that they did. They just didn't just do miracles and pray, and, okay, bye, see you, maybe next year. No, no. They, they had a focus to establish a kingdom culture. Did you realize that if you read through the Gospels that Paul wrote, there's not a lot that Paul said, how many miracles he did. But Paul did a lot of miracles. But Paul had a, a bigger emphasis on a custom, on a culture that he left. A kingdom culture that he left. He said, if I leave, yes, I did miracles, and it lured you to the Gospel, but I want to leave a kingdom culture so that you can do what I did. You see, Jesus knew that the power, knew the power that a culture would have and, and how important it was to sustain or to destroy a movement. That's what, that's what a culture can do. Now, as believers, we can flow in the gifts. We can prophesy. We can pray for the sick. We can. We can flow in the gifts every day. We can flow in the gifts of the Spirit, and it can touch people's lives. But we cannot miss this. We cannot miss the power of creating such a culture through the living a supernatural upward lifestyle. See, I can flow in the gifts of the Spirit. I can prophesy. I can pray for people. But if I don't leave a culture through my lifestyle, then it would just be me. I hope you hear what I say this morning. We have that so many times in church where prophet, the great prophet comes in and he prophesies and half of it is right and other half is... And it hurts the church more than anything else. Because there's not a kingdom culture that flows through. Now let me explain it like this. In the 1960s, um, I wasn't born yet, but in the 1960s, um, 
They built more family-orientated cars. They started building all these cars and the Chevys and all over. But the design of the cars that they built never had an air conditioning in. So for people that lived in very hot areas of the, of the world, they had to go to an extra or a external mechanic or a contractor to have this air conditioning built into the car. Now, in that days, when you build air conditioning in a car, it was this massive box that they had to fit underneath your dashboard. And when you turn that thing on, I mean, it made a noise and it pulled all the power from the car. And they said, when a car was just idling and you switch on that aircon, it will literally let the engine stall. <laughs> and if you run the car and you put it on and you could actually feel, I actually grew up with cars like that. When you switch the aircon on, you can feel the power goes. But in that days, when you had one of those massive air conditioning units in a car, when you go up a hill and you switch that air conditioning on, it will overheat the engine. It just didn't work. The air conditioning was awesome, but it had some issues. But since then, the car manufacturers actually grew up and they became more clever and, and they started building the air conditionings into the design of the car. So how the car was designed, it had air conditioning built into the dashboard or into the, where you don't even see it. Now, most drivers today would, I mean, are absolutely unaware of the intricacies of having air conditioning. They're just enjoying the airflow. It's just amazing. I mean, come on, you can't live in Stellenbosch without a car with aircon. If you don't have, I'll pray for you. <laughs> I had a car like that for a while. It is not fun. But such is a supernatural lifestyle. When, when we are living such an upward lifestyle like Paul speaks about, we have a supernatural culture that's built in, in, into the inside of us. And that culture allows the kingdom to flow through us, like an air conditioning that's built into a car. It's in our design. It's who God made you to be. It's part of your DNA that that air conditioning is just built in. The kingdom is supposed to flow through you and touch people around you. Ever seen in a, in a, when it's really hot in Stalamosh? And you go to checkers. If I just want to go to the cool area where all the yogurts and the milk and everything. I just want to stand there and let the woman do the shopping. I mean, that's like the kingdom in our lives. People gather around it because there's something that flows through your life that just touches their lives. Especially when they don't know Jesus. Now, people who don't know or don't have core values of the kingdom built into their thinking and their lifestyle... Sometimes they try to operate in the supernatural. They try to prophesy. Or they try to pray for people. And they, they try to see the miraculous. But sometimes the car stalls. Or the engine overheats. Or the church gets hurt. Because there's no kingdom that flows through that because of a culture that sustains that move. It's like a car conditioning, air conditioning in the 60s. Now why does this happen? Because you, you can't build that into your lifestyle. It's a culture that you need to get part of your church. So let, let me explain it like this. I dream of a church that don't have a prophetic ministry. That don't have a ministry that prays for the sick. That don't have a ministry to do this or that or that. I pray about a church that has a culture, a prophetic culture. That everybody prophesies. Everybody prays for the sick. Everybody encourages 
It's a culture rather than a ministry. It's not something that we have to build into it. It is a culture that fits into what we do. Does it make sense? See, when, when a supernatural is part of our culture, of who we are, it starts to flow through our lifestyle. I can walk along the road and I can see someone lying there and they just got hurt. I was like, man, I hope they're right. Did someone call the ambulance? Okay, let's just walk past quick. No, no, a kingdom culture walks over and said, how can I make sure that we bring the kingdom in this moment? How can we make sure that God can do a miracle through my life? I might be shaking of fear, but I'm trusting God. See, that's a culture that is in my life that I don't have to build in, but it's just part of that culture. To have a lifestyle like that, it needs to be built upon core values of the kingdom in our lives. You see, all we need is lenses. We need core values that dictate our lifestyle. And it's very important. It's an it's a age-old sermon and an age-old thing that we talk about core values. But it is so important when you speak about lifestyle and you talk about a supernatural upward lifestyle, where does your core values lie? Is it kingdom values? Or is it worldly values? Our, our core values is almost, you can say, they are the prophets of our destiny. Why do I say that? Let me explain it. A 13-year-old girl will grow up with a core value that says she wants to marry as a virgin one day. And then years later, she meets the husband of her dreams, and within the first week, he wants to sleep with her. But the answer is very easy. The answer makes the choice. A choice has been made Many years ago, when she set her core values in place, that says, no thank you. See, our core values is the prophets of our destiny. What we set in place today is going to have an impact in the years to come. You see, our core values that we embrace has to make an impact. It has to make an impact. So, as I said, our core values are the virtues we live by. And they are also the lenses through which we look at life. How do you see life? It's all going to depend on the lenses you look through. So how is your sunglasses? Now Jesus made a powerful statement, and let's get into the word, in Luke 8, verse 18. And it says the following. Jesus makes a statement. He says, So pay attention how you hear. To those who listen to my teachings, more understanding will be given. But for those who are not listening, even what they think they understand will be taken away from them. Now I don't know about you, but... There's something that when I read that scripture that got to me. It says, so pay attention to how you hear. It didn't say pay attention to what you hear. It says pay attention to how you hear. You see, we will often question what we hear, but never question how we hear. And you can, you can apply this to seeing as well. We often question what we see. No, I saw that. No, no, no. He saw that different. We often question what we see, but not how we saw. You see, our core values are the lenses that lies over our hearts. And this is very important. It's lenses that lies over your heart, interpreting the events of your life all the time. Look what Jesus said regarding this in Matthew 6. He said, your eye is a lamp that provides light to your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep is that darkness? 
Now, when we have pain or brokenness in our lives, our heart is like, it's like wearing dark lenses over our soul. Does it make sense? You see, the darkness reinterprets our lives, and what happens? It creates a new reality for you. How many of us have pain and darkness that we struggle through every week and every pain? That is like lenses, and if we park at that pain and brokenness, it will reinterpret your life. And then we will view the world not as it is, but as we are. That's why it's so important to deal with pain and deal with brokenness in our lives because it has an impact on your core values. It's got an impact on who you are. It's so important that our eyes of our hearts are clear so that we view the world through kingdom sunglasses. We need to. Look how Paul prays. Paul comes in Ephesians 1 and he prays the following. He says, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope that he has given to those he called, his holy people, who are his rich and glorious inheritance. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in a place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. So what we flood our hearts with will make a huge difference. But also, what we flood our hearts with will determine how we will think of ourselves. Now, if I ask you today, what do you think of yourself? How will that letter look what you write? How do you think of yourself? You look at yourself in a mirror. How do you think of yourself? Now, what you flood your heart with will determine how you think about yourself. It does. You see, our core values will affect the way we view God. It will affect the way we view the devil. Our core values will affect the way we view ourselves, and it will affect the way we view the world around us. That's why it will have a huge impact on the way we live and minister. Your core values need to reflect the kingdom. Now, for example, if you believe that God is an angry God, if you believe that, we will interpret world events through that lens. See, we will see natural disasters and terrorist attacks. You will see it as acts of God because you view God as an angry God. Not as a good God. As an angry God who's waiting for you to mess up so that he can come and give you a hiding. If that's your view, that's how your core values will lead you. Now we need to realize that who God is to us, he will be through us. Do you know that? Who God is to you, He will be through you. So if God is a law-abiding, angry, religious God, then that is who He will be through you. But if God is a God of freedom, of joy, of the supernatural, of miracle signs and wonders, of the more than enough new covenant, He will be that exactly that through you. And that's how you get to an upward lifestyle. By making sure your view of God is aligned to my core values, that is kingdom values. Now Jesus used this illustration with the disciples. And it was an amazing illustration. And Jesus was walking, picture this, he was walking along the road and he turned to his disciples and he asked them 
a super important question. Let's look at it. Matthew 16, verse 13 to 19. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea, Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do you say that the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, Some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Then he asked them, But who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, You are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you, Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven, and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Amazing scripture. Amazing story. Jesus says, so, by the way, who do people say I am? And and they said, well, they said, maybe some say you're John the Baptist and some say other prophet and Elijah. And, and then Jesus turned to them. He had them on a hook. He said, okay, so what, who do you say I am? See, he had them. Who am I to you, Simon? Who am I to you, Matthew? And I can ask that the same to us today. Who am God to you today? You see, Peter got the revelation, and, and, and which is so amazing. Peter's revelation was the following. He said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, now, just pause there. Jesus is a lot more than just the Son of the living God. He's the Lamb of God. He's the bread of life. He's the great I am. He's the great shepherd. There's many things that Jesus is, but for Peter, Peter saw him as the Christ, the anointed one. And then Jesus responded. He says, you know what, Peter? The gates of hell will not overpower the church which was Jesus. He didn't speak about Peter. He just meant your name means rock, but on this church, me, Jesus, I will build the church. He says, he says, the gates of hell will not overpower the church and you, Peter, you will receive the keys of authority to bind and loose. Here we see that Peter's revelation of Jesus, his revelation of Jesus was connected to the revelation of his own calling. That was Peter's calling to be the authority, to be the head of the church. Jesus was the rock, the foundation of the church, but Peter was supposed to be the head of the church, the one that has the keys of the authority to take it to the Jews and send people to the Gentiles. He had authority and power through Jesus, the rock, that was the foundation of the church. So, so if we have kingdom core values, our view of God will release our calling. How do you view God? How do you view God? How, who is God to you? If Jesus stands in front of you today and said, who am I to you? That revelation will be connected to your calling. For some who are evangelistic in seeing, it's like, you are the great I am who will reach the nations. Then there's an evangelistic calling on your life. But Peter showed us that your revelation of Christ will be the revelation of your calling. Now, as Christian believers, we, we can't say we live an up lifestyle without having kingdom core values in our lives. And, and that kingdom core values will change your lifestyle. It will set up your lifestyle for Christ. And, and we need to go as Christians and as believers, and you need to go and develop and sit and write down and say, Lord, what is my values? What do I live by? 
And as you grow as a Christian and mature as a Christian through the years, you've get, you get revelation upon revelation upon revelation. I mean, the day when I got the revelation that God is a God who heals. He didn't say pray for the sick. He said heal the sick because you've given you anointing and authority. When I got that revelation that God has given me authority, like he said to Peter, I have keys to open and, and close. I can pray and see miracles. I can command the dead to raise. It was a core value that was set in place that says, I will never doubt that I serve a God who heals. I will never doubt a God that is good. I will never doubt that God is a God who raised the dead because I had to sit with someone that's dying in my arms and see what God does through my words. And through those moments in your life, you build core values. And we need to make a priority to develop our core values in our lives, to go and sit down and write and say, Lord, what do I allow to flood my heart? Is it kingdom values? Is it worldly values? Is there something that flood my heart so that I create kingdom values in my life that is the profits of my destiny? Now, can I give you some illustrations before we end the day? If I can give you six basic core value illustrations that, that is in my life and, and, and that, that we've developed for, through a time, it is like this. So God wants to speak more than we want to listen. It's a basic core value. God wants to speak to me more than I want to listen. See, this creates an expectation in our hearts to hear Him speak to me at any moment. I don't go and sit in my room and say, Lord, where are you? You never speak to me. No, no, my core value says that God wants to speak to me more than I want to listen. So my core value says that God speak to me. Basic, but it's a core value that changes my lifestyle. God loves me, more, loves me long before I loved Him. You see, this trains us to focus on His love more than on our lack. How many of us sat in a place and we just look at our lack? And we don't realize that God loves me more than anything else. And when I have a value, a core value that says that my God loves me, no matter anything else in my life, that I, then I, don't, I will not be overtaken by lack in my life. Because I've got a core value that sets my destiny that says, my Father loves me. Does it make sense? Let's look at the third one. Fear is not part of God's love and therefore shouldn't be part of our supernatural lifestyle or ministry. How many of us struggle with fear in our lives? <laughs> Most of us. But see, this value trains us to respond rather to react to the, any intimidation of the enemy. How many of us, when we walk over and we want to, we have God says, pray for that person. It's like, oh, I can't know. What are they going to say? See, fear doesn't have an effect on me. I walk over and I trust him because he dictates my lifestyle, not fear. Does it make sense? Let's look at the fourth one. We are special, holy, and royal people. You see, this trains us to value others and ourselves as the precious possessions of God, no matter who I speak to, no matter who I meet, no matter where I go, that every person is special to God. Every person is a, a royal priesthood. Do I honor them and work with them in that way? That includes the taxi driver. Ouch. You see, if that core value is set in your heart, you will deal with people differently. How is your core value? 
We are to overcome and overpower anything evil that is against us. Now this prevents us from thinking of ourselves as victims of circumstances and free us to think from a perspective that believes nothing is impossible. You see, if I say we are to overcome and overpower anything that the evil one brings against us, I will not be intimidated. I will not. There's many times when I worked through my burnout and I had severe burnout and severe anxiety and severe all that. Even now, we, we will sit and those things will come over me and I have to find and go and sit and stand still and say, Father, thank you for this core value in my life that says that, that I am about, I can overcome anything in my life. So I will not partner with this spiritual nonsense. And immediately that thing lifts. Why? Because I've got a core value that believes that God loves me, I'm a royal priesthood, and that I can overcome anything evil that the enemy brings against me. Does it make sense? I think there's one more. Signs and wonders follows all believers, not just a few special people. That's a good core value to have. It's not just the great pastor, evangelist, man of God that fills up stadiums that can pray for you and get healed. No, no. God work through all people, all believers. The same power that was in Christ when he was rose from the dead is the same power that we carry as believers in our lives. You see, it trains every member of the body of Christ to think of themselves as carriers of the power of God. Do you believe that? Does it need to become part of your core values in your life? You see, it will set your view of God differently. Who is God to you? Because if I read the Bible, I don't know about you, I see a God who does miracles. I see a God who trains and equips and runs, take fishermen, fishermen, and make them men who bring signs, wonders, the miraculous to a community of believers who creates a culture that went like wildfire into Ephesus. Are we serving a God? Do we know a God like that? Is our view of God connected to our core value? Amen. Can we stand together? I'm going to pray for us this morning. I know it's a bit of a different sermon this morning, but it's part of those things that if we don't know where our core values are originated from, then we can speak about our ups, upward lifestyle until we are red in the face, but we miss the most important part. My core values will lead the way I believe. And the way I view God is the way I'm going to minister and going to let the kingdom flow through me. So Father, I pray this morning for each and every one here. Father, I thank you that there will be a stirring in our heart this morning to create core values in our lives to create core values, to develop in our lives, to get the word and the revelation in our lives as we grow and as we mature as Christians, Father. May it become, may it become core values that is prof, profits to our destiny. And Lord, may you in the weeks to come change our view of how we view you. And the way, the way we view you will be the way you work through us. And Lord, I pray that there will be moment upon moment where we sit in your word where you will help us to understand how you think how you see Lord help us to, to change the lenses if we have to help us to swap sunglasses if we have to but 
Help us to have the right lenses on how we look at, at life, how we look at the world. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. For more detail, visit www.klcstellenbosch.co.za.